Hi, this is uh, this is Jacob back here for another uh, another solo episode, um, episode twenty four of the Clown Chat podcast, and this is a breaking news episode. Pretty rare that we record two um, pods in one day. Not sure if this is going to be posted today or tomorrow. Um, we'll see what we can do on that, but it will be uh, it will be posted on Thursday, June twenty fourth at the latest. Um, Obviously, we have breaking Celtics news that Ime Udoka is now the 18th head coach in the history of the Boston Celtics. So I kind of wanted to break that down, go over some of the positives and negatives with this hire. Um, so at the end of the day, it sounds like this is what the Jays and what Marcus Smart wanted. So, you know, listening to those guys was probably a smart move for for Brad Stevens. It probably was the smart move to go ahead and bring in the guy that those guys wanted at the end of the day. However, I do have some... So, so all of that's a positive. However, I do have some concerns with Udoka's uh, resume, and, and we'll get into we'll get into those a little bit. Um, I'll just be honest, my preferences for the job were Chauncey Billups or um, Sam Cassell. It sounds like um, they didn't even really talk to Cassell, which I thought was pretty weird, um, considering how well I think he fit the profile of um, what they're looking for. And the reason why I, I was interested in those guys, I think those guys offer a lot of the positives Udoka does, but they don't necessarily have some of the things I'm concerned about. So, and then you have uh, Billups, it sounds like, was probably the runner-up, their second choice. So, um, look, it uh, it could be a good hire. Um, at the same time, um, going in, I, um, I do have some things I'm skeptical about. So, um... Again, I'm going to mention both positives and negatives. I want to be fair to the guy. Um, I'm not going to just bash him on his way in. But, yeah, so I guess we'll start positive. I like that he played in the league. That's good. I like that he um, has been um, – I really like his background with the Spurs, you know, getting to play there and then also – uh you know, becoming a coach there, learning under Popovich. I know Stevens is very, um, has a lot of respect for Popovich and the Spurs, and it's not surprising that he's decided to hire from the trade. This was not a surprising hire. I figured this was coming for at least a week. Um, we just got the confirmation today. It's not surprising to me that this was the choice, right? Um, so... Yeah, I mean, the, you know, I do think that a former player was, you know, was important here. Um, and he does fit the profile of that. Um, I do think uh, diversity is a factor here, um, especially after some, you know, what Jalen Brown tweeted recently. I definitely think uh, that's a plus um, for sure. So I think that was important, and they checked that box. 
So I like that. Um, and that was one 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 reason I did not think uh, I did not think Rick Carlisle was really a fit um, here in Boston. I think Carlisle would have been great in Milwaukee if they had lost, but thankfully they didn't. Um, so he can uh, he'll probably end up uh, taking a year off, I guess, if the Blazers don't want him. So, but look, the Spurs stuff, the playing experience, diversity, all that's good. Um, especially the Spurs thing, getting to learn from Pop. Um, he won a title there as an assistant. Like, um, all of that is is very positive. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, being the the Jays and Smart's preferred choice, that's a positive. Like if if he's he worked with them at Team USA, he's uh, someone they really wanted to be their coach. So giving those guys, you know, their say in this is a positive. It's going to make them more likely to want to stay. You know, winning will do a lot for that too, and um, this team should win. But I still like their chances next year, um, for sure. So you know, all of that's good. Um, Yeah, I mean, so there are there are positives. Oh, and he's apparently he's defensive minded. Um, because let let's face it, this team is going to this team is going to succeed off of its defense with Marcus Smart. If Marcus Smart ends up being, which it sounds like they're involving him in everything, I'm going to guess Marcus Smart gets an extension, and he will be the point guard next year. Which is something I thought would probably happen for the Celtics at some point. But I did not think it would be this soon. So I definitely think, you know, obviously looking at the way the roster is going to be constructed, Horford should make them a lot more connected on um, on defense, which is good from, from a leadership standpoint. Um, I really do think that Horford, can, Horford is going to have a really positive impact on the team next year. I know why they made the deal. Um... You know, a lot of it was, some of it was a salary dump for sure, but like Horford is a piece coming back is really going to help them. Um, but smart at point guard, it's like a lot of these teams have these, you know, small point guards that can easily be exploited on defense. And it's like playoff basketball is all about exploiting stuff like that. It's all about exploiting matchups that are favorable to you and forcing the other team to adjust. Well, Marcus Smart at point guard, who are you picking on? And we'll see who the fifth starter is with Smart. Well, we'll see who the starting center is, too. Um, obviously, we know Smart and the Jays are going to start. We don't know who this, who they're going to go with at center between Robert Williams and Al Horford. There are arguments for both. I think it'll probably be a pretty even timeshare between the two, to be honest, because you know you keep time where the minutes down, you have a better chance to keep him healthy, whereas Horford is probably not you know a 35-minute-per-game player anymore either. So keeping those guys at around, you know, 24 minutes a game could be a, a positive. So I don't really know who's even going to start. Um, you may go with Al just for the, you know, veteran factor, but, and how his passing could help the starting offense. Um, I'd probably lean, but Tom was a great passer too, so I don't know. Um, so it's an interesting decision that's maybe one of the bigger decisions um Udoka will have to make as coach 
And I do have some concerns about all that. I'll get into that in a minute, but um, if they get if they get if they get that fifth starter, because ideally I think Fournier comes back as a sixth man. If the fifth starter, whether it's you know Neesmith or Langford takes a leap, or they're able to get a guy, which I think is probably going to be the preferred path here, they can trade for like another wing kind of guy. I like Kyle Anderson. So it's like you look at all that and it's like, who are you attacking? This team, this team could be elite on defense next year, like top five in the whole league. They should be. There's no, you're going to be nowhere to pick on. They're going to be able to clamp as much as you can clamp in the modern NBA. So all of that is good, um, and, and hopefully he can make that defense the best it can be. I like that it sounds like he has, you know, a bit of an edge to him, but that he he is also uh, he's also someone that can kind of uh, you know build relationships in the building. I think that's you know a positive. Um, I mean, it sounds like the like I said, the Jays already like him, so that's good. Um, so uh, there are positives to this; there really are. Um, as far as negatives, um, my big red flag is his tenure with the 2020 76ers. After tw- the 2019 season, he left the he, uh, Udoka left the Spurs to kind of get a promotion as a lead assistant with the 76ers, who were expected to be a title contender under Brett Brown and flamed out as a sixth seed in the, in the first round. Um, now, look, that roster was very mismatched. It didn't fit. He didn't really have a chance. The, the team didn't really have a chance. At the same time, Al Horford was on that team, and he was maybe the most misused player on that team I have ever seen in basketball. They had no, they paid all that money for him, and they had no idea what to do with him. None. I don't know whose fault it was, but they had no idea what to do with him. Now, Udoka is supposedly more defense, so. Maybe he wasn't necessarily involved with that part, and he does come with the Spurs, who are all about ball movement and passing and stuff like that. So I'm hoping that he's not, like, thinking what they did with him was a good idea. But it's like, you just traded for this guy, right? Horford, bringing him bringing him back, where he was so successful in Boston his first day. And now it's like, hey, Al, welcome back. Guess what? We hired the lead assistant from your tenure with the 76ers that was a disaster. Oh, sounds like sounds like a, you know sounds great, doesn't it? You know, just imagine, just think about that. Like, mm, mm, I don't know. Again, I'm hoping he can just channel it, just focus on his Spurs stuff, and maybe Stevens can, you know, show him a few sets because you know some of the stuff that the Celtics ran with him in the first. His first go-around here was really successful. So hopefully all of that can mitigate my concerns here. But I do think that's a fair fair assessment. That 2020 Sixers team was a disaster. 
and they all got fired at the end of the season. So that's that's really the big thing. Um, that's really the big red flag to me. There are a couple other ones. Um, obviously, on a personal level, this is going to make anyone who's listening to this, this is probably going to make them laugh. But uh, did we really have to hire someone from the Nets? Did we really? I mean, on one hand, it's a positive, right? Weakening that team is a positive. However, did we really have to just infect our organization with that thing? Really? I mean, it's like the comparable I come up with is it's like yesterday in Fortnite, I got a kill and I, uh, my second of the game and then I was just kind of chilling along and then I guess this guy had it on him and then this like alien thing like attacked me and just like got on my head and then I started sounding weird through the mic and everything like that it was like an imposter had like just attacked me and it started sucking my life away <laughs> um I, got, I was down to 60 before anyone noticed and they killed the thing and I was uh I was fine but um, I almost feel like that. It's like this, oh, this, ew, this net stuff. Just, ugh, gross. So, I, you know, I don't love that. Um, so, again, I guess the positive is you're weakening them. And hopefully, because uh, Steve Nash was the first-time head coach last year and didn't really do a great job so I'm hoping he might have seen what not to do with him I mean I don't know it's just, I'm not really a fan of that whole thing and then um, you know I'll, he, he's also never had any sort of connection to the Celtics organization before um, I think that's a little bit of a negative too I know you know people might not think it's a big deal but like look the Boston Celtics are not just this average NBA franchise. They're not like any, it's not like anywhere else. Like, I do think having some sort of, you know, playing or, you know, whatever experience with this team, you know, this franchise would, would have been a little bit of a positive. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the two names I mentioned off the top, Sam Cassell and Chauncey Billups. Well, Chauncey Billups played in Boston when, you know, in his career when he was younger. He also, you know, competed against, you know, the Celtics of points with Detroit, you know, in 2008 and stuff. Um, and then you have uh, Cassell, even more so. He was my number one choice, really, but because um, he'd had that assistant experience and all this stuff, like... I don't really see many red flags with him. That's the thing. Udoka does fit a lot of the positives. They're just those red flags that I went over. Whereas a guy like Cassell, I do think fits the positives, but also doesn't have the red flags. That's really what I'm getting at here. But a guy like him, he won a title in 08, and he coached under, uh, under Doc. So it's like, you know, hopefully, you know, he's ready for it. But, uh, you know, it's a big job. It's the Boston Celtics. It's not the Indiana Pacers. 
it's not the New Orleans Pelicans. It's not the Memphis Grizzlies. It's not the Orlando Magic. It's the Boston freaking Celtics, the seven team time champions. Like, it's a big it's a big job. It's a big job. A lot of lot of history, a lot of success. A lot of success lately. I mean, they've missed the playoffs once since 2007. I mean, so they've they've been a consistent, even if they've only won one title, they've been a consistent winning team in the last, you know, 12 years, 12, 13 years. Um, and you have, you know, it's an attractive job in the present day. You have two young all star, you know, all stars, including Tatum, who's a top ten player in the league. Jalen's uh, at least top twenty, if not top fifteen. And the team should have a better fitting roster around them next year. So, like, the pressure's on. You've got to win. You've got to win right away in this job. If they don't win around next year, then something's wrong. Looking at looking at how this playoffs has gone. If this team does not win around next year, something's wrong. The Nets are probably, you know, odds are they're not going to be healthy again because of how injury-prone those players are. They're just not. I mean, you look at the histories. It's pretty It's pretty grim. Even this season, I mean, really, they're, they're lucky. Based on how things went this season, they're lucky they even had Durant at the end. They're lucky because he missed a lot of time too. So the odds of those three players all being healthy at the end, not high. It's just not. Unless you want to put them in bubble wrap all season and then just have them throw them. But then you have other, like it's just, I just don't trust it. If people want to go anoint them the favorites, that's fine. You can go do that. I'm not going to join you. Then you have Milwaukee, who, as much as I love Milwaukee, my new second team, all that stuff, Milwaukee's beatable. The Sixers are very, very beatable. We don't know what's happening with Simmons. It might be Embiid and then like a bunch of number threes at best on their team next year. Like, that doesn't scare me. Atlanta is a good team, not a great team, and their roster is going to get expensive soon, by the way. That's another thing with them. All this depth that they have is great, but they're not going to be able to keep it all. Trey's going to get a max in a year. Kevin Herter's coming up. Obviously, his big game in Game 7 is going to up his stock. Um, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish are going to have to get paid eventually, like, they will have to make tough choices at some point. Next year, they're going to have their team mostly together, and that could be a little interesting. But I still, at its heart, think that's a good team and not a great team. The Celtics should beat them. Miami is concerning to me because Miami is a sleeping giant as far as if anyone is going to be able to make a big move this offseason, out of nowhere, I feel like it's them. And I feel like they're also favorites for Kyle Lowry. And if you put, you put Kyle Lowry on that team in the Dragic spot, and keep everyone else, keep Hero, keep Butler. I expect Hero to be better next year, too. Keep Hero, keep Butler, keep Bam. 
They need to find their Jay Crowder. That's the piece they're missing. But, you know, Duncan Robinson is going to be back probably. Like, I mean, that's, it's a team that already, you know, showed it can, it can beat a full strength, full, full go with Hayward, you know, with, with a healthy Kemba Celtics team. Now Hayward was injured. I know Hayward was injured. And he was like 60%. And I don't know what was up with Kemba's knee at that point. But at the end of the day, they did Bam. That didn't solve the problem that Bam tore tore up the Celtics. And they should be better equipped to handle him with Robert Williams' development and with Al Horford's return. They should be better equipped to handle a guy like uh, Bam. So, like, people, I've seen people in, in Celtics media, like, um, well, oh, I want to talk about one more team, Toronto. You have to include Toronto in this discussion at the top of the East now because of their lottery luck. That team, that team could be good, especially if they keep Lowry. Especially if they keep Lowry, they could be good. Now, I don't think they're going to, especially if they end up with one of the guards, but they could be really good. So... Like, I, when, when I see people, I've seen people, like, call this team, oh, this team's a non-contender, um, you know, all this stuff. Well, people were saying the same thing about Philly. And I know Philly flamed out in the playoffs, but they got the number one seed in the regular season. And they they flamed out in the playoffs because, you know, guys on their team, like Ben Simmons is an 82-game player, not a 16-game player. Um, look, the Celtics can rebound in the same way. Because really, their stuff was even easier to explain away than the Sixers, as far as like a lot of it was COVID. And look, some of that is on the team. It's pretty clear that COVID was not taken seriously by the Celtics, and that is a problem. That is a maturity problem. But you can't explain some of that away. You know, a lot of it away with the with the health and injuries and COVID and all that. It is a big part of it. So. You put that together with a better fitting roster. I mean, Tatum is, you know, I think Tatum is a dark horse MVP candidate next year. Then Jalen is amazing. It's like the defense is going to be top five. Like when I hear people call this team a non-contender, I'm like, what planet are you on? This team is absolutely a contender. This team should contend. This team should be right there in the mix with everybody else next year. And if it's not, then it comes back to the head coach. That's just how it's going to be. We have expectations. This team is in win-now mode. You have two players this good on your team. You are in win-now mode. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Now, look, if they lose if they lose in, like, the semis or something, you know, I'll be disappointed. But I won't, I'm not going to, you know, you know, go too crazy, like, right? Like, but... They should be right in the mix next year. They should. There are a lot of good teams. So, like I said, I'm not going to, like, be too crazy. But teams should be right there. So, look, I, I listed off some, some positives. And at the end of the day, I would have hired uh, Billups or Cassell. But, you know, we'll see how Udoka does. 
I can understand why Stevens went with him since the players are so you know outspoken in support of him. Of course, who knows if they even have you know a connection with Billups or I think Smart worked with Billups one offseason and then like they probably don't even know Cassell, so it's like I don't know, but. Because I think they would have checked the positives without having as many negatives. But, like, at the end of the day, welcome to Udoka. I hope he uh, I hope he embraces what it means to be a Celtic. And I hope he uh, ends up being a good coach for us. And I hope that he... Uh, I hope that the negatives I listed off don't end up playing a factor. And I hope he really... Just, just really, you know, go back to that Spurs tenure and bring... Don't bring the Philly crap. Don't bring the Brooklyn crap. Just bring the Spurs crap to Boston, and you'll be fine. That's all. That's all I would say. Bring bring everything you learned from Popovich in the Spurs, and you'll be fine. So that's uh, that's the podcast, Nick, for listening.